Welcome to Jet Cetera, folks, the Winnipeg Free Press podcast about the Jets, sports, and etc. I'm your host, sports editor Steve Lyons, and I'm joined as usual by sports columnist Mike McIntyre. Welcome, Mike. Good to be here, Steve. Episode 56. Is that Mark O'Donnell? Uh, I think he did wear 56. That's right. He, by he, the way, he just uh, last week debuted we the, for the Moose the other day. Oh, did he? Last yeah. week we had the Mark Shifley episode. We did, yeah. So today we'll be talking about the Jets at the halfway point of the season. Uh, they've played 28 games. I had to quickly do some math in my head there. <laughs> when and if they should make a trade deadline addition to the roster. Uh, we're going to debate who the team MVP is so far. Chat about the boogeyman that is the XFL. And in overtime, we'll pay tribute to St. Patrick's Day. It's March 17th today. Happy St. Patrick's Day to all you folks out there who are Irish or have all you faux Irish people. There's I'm a, a little faux, Irish. There's a lot of faux Irish people. There is. March 17th a lot of people McIntyre. just pretend to be Irish uh, for one day only. Everybody wants to be I Irish. have Irish, uh, Irish roots, the McIntyre family. I'm Scottish on my mom's side, Irish on my father's side. Oh, we'll chat all about yeah. that in overtime. I'm all Irish. Top of the morning to you. <laughs> okay, do they say that? I don't know. <laughs> I've been to Ireland. I never heard it. <laughs> crack on. That's yeah. what they do say that. Okay. Crack on. So let's crack on. Jolly good. This, crack on with this uh, podcast. First period. <laughs> they don't do that. They don't. They yeah, don't. they do. How do you know? <laughs> you never been there. For what, like here. last call or at the was, pub? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, so Mike, the Jets have played 28 games. Um, geez, I wish they knew their record off the top of my head. 17. 9 and 2. 9 and 2. All right. Yeah. And they're four points out of first still. Toronto still isn't one. Toronto has not played, played till, yeah, yeah. Play till Friday. Okay, so um, what are we going to do? We're going to talk about um, what's been good, uh, what's been good, what's been mediocre, what's been bad. Um I would be hard-pressed to say anything's been bad. Okay, one bad thing, since let's get the negative off the table first. (laughs) Sure. Uh, They gave away some points early in the season when they gave up some late goals. Um, They could probably have two or three more points in the standings if they hadn't done that. Um, Their uh, defensive play has been, um, uh, you know, steady, but average at best, maybe, you know what I mean? Maybe a little bit above average, obviously a little bit above average, but um, could be improve a little bit. And then the strength of this team for me, the best thing that I've seen from this team in the first 28 games is actually the way that they play as a team. Um, that, that, I think, is the, um, is the identity of this team, Mike McIntyre, is yeah. that they are... All for one and one for all. They're like three musketeers. They're like 20 musketeers. <laughs> 20 musketeers. They're the 20 musketeers. You can use that line, by the way. They're, uh, I may use that in the gamer tonight. There you, uh, go. You, you know, uh, and a number that really supports that argument, Steve, is the fact that coming off a loss, uh, the Jets are 7-0-1 this year. Oh, that's and a, coming off a loss. They played tonight against Montreal. And they, so we'll see if they can make it 8-0-1. But that's a good trait to have. And that tells you that they don't let one bad outing. And not every loss has been a bad outing. But they don't let it necessarily bleed into the other. They're able to kind of put it out of sight, out of mind, move on, regroup. And, you know, that suggests a few things number one that they have some talent on this team which I think we all knew but for sure some resiliency um and you know a a short memory which can be a good thing in sports they're a real veteran team I think this is something that we've touched on a few times this season and 
to me, this is one of the strengths of the team is that they've got a bunch of guys. I mean, they got a couple of young guys. They got a couple of they got some veterans, but there's a bunch of guys in the middle there that are like 24 to 28 years old, who all have seven, eight years of right. of, of of NHL experience under their belt, and are all kind of in the prime of their careers, right? You know what I mean? And they're all and growing they, up together. Yeah, or have they, grown up and together. they have, and 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 and, they, and so while they don't have any of the defensemen that played in that Stanley Cup run a couple few seasons back. They still have a lot of forwards up front. So they've been through a lot together, and right. they, they kind of just stick together, I think, eh? I think, you know, if you're looking at positives, for sure, the, the, in a bottom-line results-oriented business, the positive, if you're the Jets, has to be that you're four points out of a playoff spot. Uh, we'll just let that uh, call go to... Uh, Manitoba, C-O-M-P, Manitoba D. No idea what that huh. would be. Anyways, um, the, the the fact they are only four points out of first place. This is a team. I mean, when we did this, whatever episode it would have been back in early January, kind of teeing up the season to come. Uh, I think we offered our predictions, but we also looked at you know what were I the picked e- them for second. I'm going to say that you again. did, and I picked them for fourth. They're in second, Mike. They are in second. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think you picked them for second. I think you had them sixth at one point, didn't you? No, Fifth? no, 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 no. Did you no. have them as a playoff team? I can't remember. In our predictions for the yeah. season, yeah, I picked them second. Yeah, you waffled, didn't you? No, I thought you. Uh, no, I'll send you, the, okay. the link, man. Yeah. I believe you. I wrote about it just last week. What there, are you talking there about, aren't Willis? a whole lot of people though that pick them to even be a playoff team. No, like, uh, you look at. Uh, you know whether the, it was TSN or Sportsnet or whatever. Uh, a lot of the predictions had the Jets as fifth or sixth. I don't think anybody had them seventh. That was kind of Ottawa's turf. But right. the Jets were not necessarily seen as a playoff team. And most people predicted if they got into the playoffs, they'd just be scratching and clawing, you know, to the last game. And maybe the, maybe they'll turn out that way. And it still might turn out. That it way. may so turn out that way. The, I noticed lately the division is tightening, and so I'm not going to go out on a limb here and emphatically say the Jets are still going to finish second. Um, I think that they're in for a dogfight in the last 28 games of the season here. Um, Edmonton's playing, you know, pretty well. And Calgary's coming on now with the new coach. And and Toronto's uh, come back down to earth a bit right? as of Montreal. And so, and, he, and even Vancouver's played, uh, gained some points or whatever. So right. it, there's only like seven points or something like that between second and sixth, right? Yes. And so uh, it's still, you know, it's still up for grabs. And so, um, I think, and you, you, Kevin Cheveldayoff spoke this week about what the team might do ahead of the trade deadline. The trade deadline is still a couple of weeks away, right? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like over three weeks away. And yeah. so there, there's an issue there. Like the trade deadline is April the 12th. If you do the math, Steve, let's just say the Jets make a trade on the trade deadline like they have in the past. That would be dumb, but let's... Right, yeah, so... Right, okay. Um, assuming that the trade isn't with another team in their division, and that's, that's gonna- a pretty good assumption probably not going to happen especially as you say the standings are that logjam why is any other team going to potentially help the Jets Evan out is not going to trade as Darnell Nurse no um so <laughs> the presumption is whatever trade you're making is with one of the other 24 teams who of course are based in the U.S. well we already saw it with Pierre-Luc Dubois uh, and that quarantine has not been dropped so any player you get if you make a trade on the 12th of April which is the trade deadline like they're not even eligible to begin skating with you till April 26th. And assuming they could just jump right into the lineup after two weeks of literally sitting around doing nothing other than their Peloton or whatever they have, at most, there's seven games left. So 
if that's are, pointless. It is. That, Why that, are you that, making it? That's a waste of time. You might as well not even bother. So right. if, if they're going to make a trade for Matthias Ekholm or whomever they're going to trade for or whatever, they should be doing it like yesterday. Yeah, right. right. And if not yesterday, then tomorrow. Right. Or today. Right. Um, and, you know, Kyle Dubas. Uh, and who, do you think they should? I do think they should. I think... So not necessarily Ekholm, but do you think they should? Make yeah, a no, big I do think they I should think they make should. a splash. They, yeah. you know, I I reminded Kevin Shovelday off the other day when we were on our Zoom call with him of something I'm sure he, he told appreciated me that. a year ago. He did <laughs> um, when when we did this mid season thing, and last year it was in Denver. But you know, the Jets were scuffling at the time; like they were barely a wild card team. But Kevin Shovelday off said. Uh, I made a promise to Blake Wheeler, to Mark Shifley, and you know, rattle off the guys that have all re-upped here. Uh, that the time for just kind of next year or whatever—that's that's done. Like these guys have been through that. We're going to make a run for it every year as long as this core is here. And you know, last year, I don't know if Dylan Demello and Cody Eakin would would equate to making a big splash, but the fact is the Jets were barely a wildcard team and they did add a top four defenseman and what was at the time a second line center. Um, well, yeah. Sure. Yeah, I mean, okay. but that's what that's the role that he was brought in for. Yeah. Whether it was the right guy, <laughs> that's debatable for sure. So I just think, you know, based on what he's said about these players, this core, he kind of owes it to them, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, I would think so. And 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 the fact that they they are seventeen nine and two, right? They haven't done and, anything to say we don't deserve this. Correct. The and opposite. So, yeah, and so I think that um, it would be incumbent on him to do something. And it would be, yeah, it would be. I would be very shocked if he didn't. Now he did mention that some of the help may come from within, and you know, and the parent, you know, there's <laughs> Vili Hanala and. Dylan Sandberg down on the farm that could help on defense, but I'm not sure like who would they replace in the lineup on the on the of the six defensemen that are currently playing. Like Logan Stanley, Logan Stanley with one of them, does that make a big difference? Yeah, I mean they're different kinds of players, I guess. You know, I guess. but for sure, Matthias Ekholm is a is a bona fide you know, top two, top four NHL Top four anyways, yeah. But right. he's a seasoned playoff performer. He is. Yeah, for sure, yeah. Um, you know, he brings some nastiness yep. and physicality, like all things that Ville Hanel and Dylan Sandberg. I think that you would want to add a, a veteran type of guy like they did with DeMello and not DeMello. Right. Yeah, and, uh, you know, Nathan Bolio is out weak, so the Jets' depth, not that Nathan Bolio is, no. but, you know, he wasn't playing well to begin with. Uh, He's all right. It was an interesting comment about the potential help. You know, as somebody said uh, to me on Twitter the other day, has he told the coach this, uh, the belief that Paul Maurice wouldn't necessarily play those guys anyways, those kids. Paul Maurice would absolutely play a Matthias Ekholm if that's who they were to get. There's a lot of risks, I guess, as we talked about. But yeah, if you're going to make a deal, the sooner the better if you're the Winnipeg Jets. All right, folks, we're back for the second period of our Jetsetra podcast. Mike, I had a little fun. I put your name in my headline on my playbook today. Uh, for those of you who are new to the program, I do a daily newsletter called Playbook. You can subscribe to that on our website. Mike also does a newsletter. It comes out on Thursday. You can also subscribe to that on our on our uh, website. There's the plug for the day. Yes. Mike. So cheap plug. Um, yeah. You uh, mentioned in a column you wrote earlier this week that you liked Connor Hellebuck as the team MVP so far. 
Um, I don't agree. Um, I'm not sure for a, for a couple of reasons. I'm not sure that Hellebuck is having the the amazing season that he did last year. He's had some uh, soft goals at times, and yeah, he's played. He's he's stood on his head in a couple of games, but. You know, the old saying goes like a goalie is paid to stop pucks, right? right. Do you know what I mean? And and we seem to get all excited when they do that. <laughs> um, um, but, you know, he's been good. And um, um, I wish you'd get that excited when I do my job. <laughs> I <laughs> to, do. To the my, bare minimum. I do, yeah. <laughs> um, so, I mean, you know, where would they be without Connor Hellebuck? Uh, you know, I, I'm not sure. But Mark Shifley, in my mind, as I said today, in my playbook, it has been the team MVP. I mean, he he's got a maturity to his game this year. I think he's having his best season ever. Like he's you know he's fifth in league scoring. Right. Um. He's first in takeaways. Um. He's he's playing all the hard minutes against the other top lines centermen, and and um he's been really good in his own zone. Um. And he's and if it wasn't for Blake Wheeler, I think he'd be the captain of the team, right? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so without him, um, you know they'd be really, they would not have much at center ice. They would have Dubois now and Adam Lowry, but man, those guys aren't scoring. So um, that's my argument for it. Yeah, um, and I, I I can't debate you too much on that because I actually wrote a piece, I think just before the season started, where I said um, Mark Shifley is this team's most important player. Yeah. Which I do believe he yeah. is, and I, uh, to, to as evidence, I pointed to what happened in the in the bubble. Right. Uh, I mean, they still had Connor Hellebuck, um, but they didn't have Mark Scheifele. He got hurt on the first shift of right. the first game, and the Jets didn't have a hope after that. They 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 were even no, it was fodder like when for the, the Jets lost Howardchuck to the Flames. Exactly. Back in the day, right? Exactly. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, I agree that, and one thing that maybe gets lost a little bit in Shifley is just the quality of matchup night after night yeah. that he's facing here. You look up and down the league scoring race. I mean, who are the top scorers in the NHL? There are other centers from the Canadian division. Well, and that's what some of that, you know, somebody even sent me a note today. Well, he gets scored on a lot. Yeah, he gets scored on a lot. He's <laughs> playing against Connor McDavid, right. man. Like, do you know what I mean? But he's also scoring. So, you know, is it does it balance out? I think that, I think from what I've seen. Well, I, he's I, a plus player. Right. And, you know, th there is that, there, there are still people on social media that attack his defensive game say that he's he's terrible defensively yeah that's ridiculous the fact that as you just pointed out leads leads in takeaways like if taking the puck away is that not playing defense yeah in when the you're, offensive zone right when you're taking the puck from the other team Correct. something that he does better than anybody right. <laughs> that's good defense right yeah. he's a way of controlling the game um interestingly enough i hear this often that he uh, that he has a way to slow the game down and that line with him and Wheeler and, and Stastny are like that. They yep. tend to slow the game down, but also play fast. It's a weird way they go about it, but they try to like control the play. And Shifley's he's just excellent at it. Like he really has a way of just slowing it down and then getting to certain spots. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So let me introduce something uh, interesting here, Steve. I, You're not I making named... much of a case for your argument here, Mike. No, I, I haven't. But I'm going to make a. I'm going to um, back up my argument a little bit and and try and poke a hole in yours with something that I did on Twitter the other day. You can make a poll. Yeah, I saw your poll. Yeah. Okay. So did you see the results? 
no. Okay. People liked Ehlers, I think. So right? I asked, uh, I, I named four, you can only do four options on a poll. So I named of the four, uh, who's the MVP of, of the Jets. I named Connor Hellebuck, my choice, Mark Scheifele, your choice, Nikolai Ehlers, and Neil Pionk, who's like fourth or fifth in defenseman sure. scoring in the NHL. It's not a good season. Uh, 724 people voted on my poll. So, uh, I mean, it's not scientific, but that's, that's not just seven people. That's a good number of the 724 voters. 51% pick Connor Hellebuck. 36% pick Nikolai Ehlers. Yeah. 7% pick Neil Pionk. 6% Mark Scheifele. (laughs) Wow. So they had Mark Scheifele. Now what's I don't know what yeah so so I I just don't get that I, I and I've noticed this on Twitter that there's a hate on for Mark Scheifele oh, like I just and a love affair for Nikolai Ehlers yeah it, and I don't get it the, 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 the Ehlers listen he's a flashy player he's been good he's he gets the puck out of his own zone but he's terrible in his own zone I'm not he's he's improved but he still makes some terrible plays in his own zone he's not in his matchups. Pomeries protects these guys. He does. Right? He okay. talked about that the other day. Totally. He was asked flat out, why don't you play Nikolai Ehlers more? Why isn't Nikolai Ehlers playing 20 minutes like Mark Scheifele? Right. Uh, and because... Pomeries, I mean, he didn't want to completely <laughs> drive the bus over Nikolai. No. But he, he basically said, because the people that I want. Good. <laughs> right. The people I want him to play against on the other team aren't playing 20 minutes right. so he isn't either right that that I can't give him the tough matchups because if I did the Nikolai Ehlers that you all love wouldn't be the same player exactly. if I were to expose He'd him get like killed. that that line gets that line gets killed when they get uh, a poor matchup they're in their own zone right they can't get the puck out of their own zone and like for the whole time that they're on the ice whenever the matchup does not go that line's way they look terrible. Now, I'll say this about Nikolai Ehlers, and this goes back to a point you made in the first period, Steve, about this team um, playing for each other and growing up together and and maturing and, and a veteran presence, even among the young players. Give Nikolai Ehlers some credit. He recognizes that there's flaws in his game. Last week, for example, against Toronto... Uh, the game they lost last Thursday, 4-3 in overtime. That great game where he scored two goals in it? Two goals and an assist. He yeah. he had two. He was on the ice for every he goal was. against. And so there he was <laughs> after the game. Yeah. And I would say the old Nikolai Ehlers would have just talked about the good things he did. And so he was kind of thrown a couple softballs by media, but he wanted nothing to do with it. He actually... He spent his whole Zoom availability with us blaming himself yep. for and talking about, you know, who cares about the offense I produced. It's unacceptable that that me and our line were out there for all three goals. That's not good enough. So I think that showed some growth. Now go out and do something about yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. Listen, don't get me wrong, folks. I, I think Nikolai Ehlers is having his best season to date for sure. Uh, he's a flawed player in certain in certain areas, and that's one of the areas. And so, Paul Maurice, being a much better uh, have has a much better understanding of of how to handle Nikolai Ehlers right. than me and anybody else out there, frankly, yeah. and anybody on Twitter. Um, <laughs> sorry, um, are you Twitter coaches. Sorry, folks. Yeah, yeah but he does. Right, like, the guy's coached. A, a gazillion hockey games, right? Yeah. And so he uses Ehlers and Connor, uh, and particularly Ehlers, in certain circumstances, yep. protects him and makes it, and puts him in a position to be successful. And that looks really good on television. It, it does. It does. But 
And on. so I think going back to your original point about Shifley and maybe why he doesn't get the same respect, there there never will be anything terribly flashy about Mark Shifley. No. Like he won't blow well, you away with his speed. Yeah, he's got a, he's got a good shot for sure. He's got a good shot. But a lot of what he does doesn't it's not gonna make the highlight reels. And even a guy like he's not putting the puck between his legs like Kyle Connor does at he's times. He's playing like Jonathan Taves now. Right. He really is. Right. Yeah. And so you win with those players totally. for sure. Um, and they quietly kind of go about. They're quietly effective players. Uh, not the flash or the sizzle of a Nikolai Ehlers. But um, I'm still going with my guy, Connor Hellebuck. I think uh, the buck, uh, no pun intended, stops with him. But Mark Scheifele's uh, having a great season as well. <laughs> All right, folks, we're back for the third period of our Jet Cetera podcast. It's the Et Cetera part, Mike. So uh, uh, how, what do I call it? Big news, interesting news, intriguing <laughs> news, uh, controversial news. Last week out of the Canadian Football League, they announced that they had entered into an alignment with the uh, XFL. Um, basically, they've uh, said that they're formalizing some talks that they had already been doing. Um, they are going to talk about how to grow football and what's best for both leagues. And, um, they, you know, immediately um, the uh, everybody jumped to the conclusion that the two leagues were going to merge. Right. And this was going to be the death of Canadian football as we know it. Um, oh my God, <laughs> we've sold our soul to the devil. Yes. Um, the hyperbola uh, was out in full force, Mike. Um, I've expressed my thoughts on it in my playbook and, and um, um, I, I, I don't want to jump to any conclusions because there's no real um, details on what might happen. It's certainly, it was a, a, a touchdown I, 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 with a two-point convert, oh. though, for publicity for the Canadian Football League. It sure was. And, you know, as you pointed out in your playbook the other day, Steve, like there's a lot of leaping to conclusions here because we don't know much uh, about the specifics of this. This could just be marketing possibilities, maybe some player share. Like we don't know the extent of what this potential partnership would be. Um other than that they're attaching their name to each other right now. And there's some heavy hitters, The the Rock, uh, who might just be the biggest, you know, movie star right now. He's got in, 230 in, gazillion Instagram followers. Yeah, like The Rock like that, yeah. is as big he's as it rock. gets in yeah, terms of celebrities. Yeah. Uh, future, future U.S. presidential candidate, by the way. He said that he plans, <laughs> or he said that he hasn't ruled out a run, uh, but not till 2032. Well, Reagan was a president. Yeah, but I mean, my goodness, there have been some. Arnold Schwarzenegger was a governor. He was, yes. He would have been president. He would have Je run for president. Jesse Ventura, another wrestler. Right, he was yeah. the governor of Minnesota, right? There you go, yeah. Um, so, you know, there's, there's been some like really, really, really hot takes out there. Um, not, not to pick on a local legend in Bob Irving, but like he tweeted the other day, Steve it blew my mind. He's basically saying that, you know, if this is what it's going to take to basically keep the CFL alive, maybe the CFL is just like better off dying. Yeah, that's like, ridiculous. Are you kidding? Talk. We'd it's rather not right? have the league than... So I was around when when expansion happened to the U.S. back in the 90s or whatever, and um, the reality at that time is that the, the, the league as a whole 
was struggling big time financially, and some teams were on the verge of collapse, the Calgary Stampeders and the Hamilton Tiger Cats. And, you know, as, as failed as that ex- experiment was, and I still think it was, it, was, it was a gas covering it, and it was interesting how it all played out. And the Baltimore Stallions were a, a fascinating team, and they won a great cop, mm-hmm. and they had some great players, you know, and, and all of that. And it was just, it was kind of, I still look back on it fondly. I really, really do. Some people just look back at it with dread. But anyways, the expansion fees um, at that time, and there's debate over this, but I can tell you, I I was there, folks. It saved, that money saved the league. It was a huge cash infusion that the league needed at that time. And then after that, they got a, a better television deal, et cetera, et cetera. And it kind of it kind of catapulted them a little bit, right? Okay, and so the league is at a at the similar situation. They are on the verge of collapse, Mike. They lost between sixty and eighty million dollars last year due to no no season, and we still don't know what this season is going right. to look like. They're going to need some dough, folks, and I'm not sure they can sell enough Grey Cup base fundraising, <laughs> blah blah blahs. To raise that amount of where are they going to get the money? Yeah, well, where we, are they going to get the? They're money? They're not getting it from Ottawa. They they're tried, not. They tried that last That's not year. Not going to happen. Didn't, didn't pan out. Uh, and there's talk, Steve, that that maybe how dire the situation is. We haven't even heard the full extent of it. Like there's talk. Uh, you know, forget about expansion. Uh, the CFL, which is talking about expansion, uh, there might be contraction, contraction going on. Yeah. That, that there's talk that there's teams, multiple teams that that may not even be in a position. Well, Toronto where, doesn't want to play this that, year, right? They just it, don't want it. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I've heard numbers like, could it be Vancouver that there's doesn't six, have an owner? There's basically six teams, maybe. Exactly. So they are absolutely in dire straits, and I think. You know whether this just smacks of desperation or whatever it is. Like, it is desperation. It is right. Um, I don't think you know the old saying: "Beggars can't be choosers." The CFL—they're beggars right now. I the, the other thing I don't I don't I don't think I see happening. I, I'm not. I don't. I'm not. Don't have any intel. I'm not pals with the Rock, but I don't know that they're going to want to change the game, even if it they did merge and they expanded. There would have to be some sort of accommodation to continue. To, the last time they expanded to the States, they didn't change the rules. They no. only changed the ratio rules. It wasn't like it, the whole game changed. Nothing changed, really. Those teams played our game. Right. And if you're so if you're the XFL and you're trying to maybe make a splash in the U.S. market, Try what, something what's wait? Right. Why, yeah. The same old, they, we already have the four down and all that. Correct. Not to mention you have an entire country that is. You know, if you're merging or whatever, uh, you've got a country that's already a built-in fan base north of the border. I don't think so. anybody in the states wants to see an NFL light. I really don't. They, they've proven it. Sure, there's been a number of leagues come along that were going to be spring leagues or fall leagues or different leagues and play four-down right. football or whatever and compete against the NFL, and none of them have succeeded. No, none of them. Okay? So I know you're not a huge Randy Ambrosi uh, fan. I do wonder, Steve, like. Is part of this and all these hot takes and and speculation, should the CFL be a little more transparent about what's going on here? Like, should Randy Ambrosi be kind of holding court and at least explaining a little more about what this might involve? He he did a little bit more this time. He did some interviews. If you go online, you can see him on Three Down Nation or on Sportsnet, TSN or whatever. And he gave our Jeff Hamilton an interview and... And he spoke about it, and Wade Miller spoke about it. I thought that they were 
fairly transparent. I mean, they don't want to get ahead of themselves either because, man, if you start talking about certain things, it seems like everybody freaks out around yeah. here. So I think that they're being cautious with the information that they're releasing. But they need to be open to the possibility of all things. And, and if you think it's better that the league just dies, right. then uh, Bob Young, the uh, owner of the Hamilton Tiger Cats, laughed about these folks saying like like why are you so against the rules changing you realize at one point in time in the canadian football league you weren't allowed to throw the ball forward (laughs) the rules have changed over the years mike okay and so even if they do change right like being stuck in your ways where's that going to get you it's It's not going to get get you into a grave is for sure is where it is so i'm 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 really interested in the in the company that the rock and his ex-wife danny garcia have aligned themselves with this uh red bird capital uh partners uh they're a huge um um I can't remember the word for it, but anyways, they're this. They're, they they have four billion dollars in assets right. that they're trying to spend. <laughs> okay, <laughs> and they are that um, they're buying. We're 10%. looking for a, a, a sponsor are, for they, the they, podcast. They, by yeah, the way. for sure we are, folks. Yeah, um, <laughs> they um, bought a French soccer team, Toulouse, and they are currently trying to buy ten percent of Fenway Sports Group, which includes Liverpool and the uh, Boston Red Sox and some other sports entities. They're on a bit of a sports buying spree. And so if nothing else, um, I would th- imagine, I would hope that Randy Ambrosi is encouraging them to potentially look at buying one of the CFL teams yeah, that needs got an a owner. couple for sale here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, um, you know, like, so I, I, I don't see any downside here. I really don't. I see no downside here. Um, and all of the uh, fear mongers and doomsayers and, oh, my God, it's going to be the worst thing ever. Of um, Yeah, just it's ridiculous. Well, and you're right. It would be one thing if the CFL was in a boom period uh, of growth and of success and everything was just going great. And now you're thinking, oh, these guys just want to come in and ride our coattails and drag us down. Well, that's not the case. The CFL... Uh, is on life support and this might breathe some 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 new air into the cfl has something to offer here too they have a tradition and they have heritage and they have you know they have established teams or whatever and so and the xfl that would benefit them and so it it could be win-win but let's wait and see i I don't get the level of angst or hand-wringing for sure uh this is something uh for sure to keep an eye on but uh very interesting days ahead no doubt Okay, folks, we're back for the overtime session of our Jet Setra podcast. Happy St. Patrick's Day, as we mentioned at the top of the show. Uh, Mike, you mentioned you have a little Irish heritage. Um, you mentioned to me that you'd like to go to Ireland. I'm fortunate. I've been there a few times. Um, on the bucket list, for sure. On the bucket list, yeah. So if I had, if I had, uh, if I, if hopefully we'll get to travel again. If, there, if there's one place I'd like to go, it, it, I'm kind of torn between two places. If I could only go back to one place, it would either be Ireland or Israel. But um, yeah, I've got, I've got plenty of Irish heritage. As a matter of fact, my great great grandfather has a street named after him in Dublin. Oh. Okay, yeah. So my great great grandfather's name was a, a guy named Graham Lemon and back in the 1800s he opened uh, a confectionery 
um, on uh, the main street. It was called Sackville Street at the time. It's now O'Connell Street. And um, it was a candy store. Yeah. Okay? And, and, and with he, the last um, name of Lemon. With the last name of Lemon. So you had Lemon Drops, right? Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he made all kinds of different candies or whatever. And it became quite a famous uh, store. And um, it was... Um, in, in 1853, I got a note here or whatever, at the Great Industrial Exhibition in Dublin, he had a chance to impress Queen Victoria by demonstrating how to make sweets using steam. He was one of the very first people in the UK to use steam in manufacturing. And then um, also, he's mentioned in James Joyce's book, Ulysses. My goodness. Yeah, so in, in James Joyce's book, Ulysses, it's mentioned that the kids would go by Graham Lemon's confectionery store on Sackville Street, et cetera, et cetera. And when they do literary tours, uh, they do a lot of James Joyce literary tours in Dublin. Uh, one of the stops is the spot where Confectionery Hall was, and the sign is still up there. It's above a footlocker <laughs> <laughs> on O'Connell Street. And then, yeah, so it's there. So... Um, and you, then and you then, visited there. I, I assume, have. When yeah. You went, oh, yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you a funny story. I was there. I was. I was just sitting there pondering it. You know, thinking about the fact that, you know, my great great grandfather had started this or whatever, yeah. and it's still there. Blah 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 blah. And there was this. There was this guy giving a tour to some people or whatever, right? And he was reading from Ulysses, and he he was telling the story of Graham Lemon, blah 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 blah. And I was kind of listening, and he goes, "Hey, you're not part of the tour." <laughs> Okay. I go, hey, is my great great grandfather. I can add to your tour here. Yeah. <laughs> and so he was like, well, that doesn't matter. And then these people go, what? It was your great great grandfather. <laughs> and so the people who were on the tour were all excited for me to. Right. You almost took over as the tour guide almost, at that point. Yeah. So, anyways. so the, you say he has a street named after him? Yeah. So just off of Grafton Street. Yeah. It's called, called Lemon Street. Lemon yeah. Street. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's. Uh... And often, here's another story. There's a lot. I could tell you a gazillion Irish stories, but. Often on uh, Christmas Eve, uh, Bono of U2 mm -hmm. uh, busks uh, on uh, Grafton Street. Grafton Street is a pedestrian mall in Dublin. And, and many times over the course of the years, he's gone busking there on Christmas Eve to raise money, blah, blah, blah. Yep. People gather around. And one year, he was at the corner of Grafton and Lemon, Lemon. Street. Yeah, what was the song he was singing? I can't remember the song he was singing. Uh, every uh, I don't know it doesn't matter anyways so that is an amazing uh, story yeah, and very yeah. fitting for uh, uh, for St. Paddy's Day he was born in Armagh Northern Ireland which is where my grandfather was mm -hmm. also born whatever which is where St. Patrick's built his first church <laughs> You were just uh, you were just a treasure trove of stories uh, today. I don't have anything quite as exciting uh, in my family uh, background. Although we did, you know, my grandmother uh, on that the Irish side, my dad's side, my grandmother passed away about a month ago, and uh, some cousins were doing some research. And it's funny, one of them's kind of done the whole family tree thing, and a couple things they found out that on my. Uh, grandfather's side or sorry on my grandmother's side that her grandmother was apparently a famous comedian back in Winnipeg like in the late 1800s early 1900s uh, and that there's also a very talented baseball player that I think it was her 
a cousin of hers or something. But it's funny, these these family trees and where the branches take you, you learn a little bit about them um, and, and what your roots are. And yeah, a lot of folks here in Manitoba have Irish roots, I, I suspect. Yeah, I think I, I, I remember reading something about people with Irish roots and basically, you know, I, I can't remember what it was. It was like 10% of the world or something like that. I mean, <laughs> everybody, everybody... But everybody had left Ireland, right? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, a lot of people have left Ireland. It was or whatever. The, the famine, right? Yeah, it drove lots them out. of different reasons. My my grandfather, who came to Canada, he left Ireland. Um, it, my great great grandfather and the family went on to be quite wealthy. Actually, yeah. he, he bought a lot of property in Dublin, and he had this amazing candy factory and everything and all that. And there was a lot of money. And my grandfather was a chemist back in Armagh, and then he went off to the Boer War, and then he came to Canada, and he just he didn't. He, he, his conscience bugged him that he was wealthy, and he he saw all this poverty in right. in Ireland, and and he he was that kind of guy or whatever, and came to Canada. Ireland's a great place. To, you know, it's such a small little place, Mike. The first time I went there, I landed in Dublin, and I drove all the way to the other side of the country in a couple of hours <laughs> to uh, the west coast area, which is where the cliffs of Maher are, where yeah. you see the beautiful pictures right. of the, of the cliffs. And I went to County Clare and. Did a lot of touring there, and um, yeah, you know, I've got to see a lot of it. But there's there's so much to see. And I, what time I, of I, year were you there? I've been three times, okay. so almost always in the spring. Yeah, yeah, almost always in the spring. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Ireland's definitely high on my list. Uh, another place. Have you ever been to the South Pacific? My wife and I, we of course enjoy cruising. We've done, and so our 25th anniversary will be in 2025. And so our big plan... Don't get ahead of yourself. We should talk yeah, to her so, about that. Yeah. So well, yeah. So can you mark <laughs> me down, Steve? I'm going to need some time off in 2025 because we're going to do a cruise to the South Pacific is our plan. Oh. Bora, Bora Bora, Tahiti, all that. Okay. Um, uh, I've never been there, of course. She hasn't either. But we've kind of fallen in love with what we've seen and read about it. And so that's kind of a bucket list trip there. Yeah. My, my, my travel has changed. I'm not sure that I would do that kind of thing anymore but maybe i'm going to be beautiful i, I mean i'm certainly I'm, i've moved more to this adventure travel yeah. stuff where i'm going to be biking or hiking or something like that or even some sort of history for a couple of years there i was doing a lot of um, world war ii travel you know whether i was going to berlin or even jerusalem or uh, different you know saw the holocaust museum in jerusalem and that kind of thing and so um that's more I'm not sure that I think that there's there's one place that always has always kind of stuck out for me. It's been New Zealand, also um, on my list. No snakes. There's no snakes in New Zealand, by the way. Uh, a buddy of mine the other day was. Are there snakes in Ireland? No, but there's snakes in Australia. So right. if you're going to pick between Australia gotcha. and New Zealand, I'm just letting you know there's no snakes in New Zealand. Which ones have the the violent kangaroos? Is that Australia, yeah, that's Australia or New Australia Zealand? Too. They got all kinds of weird animals and insects yeah. and stuff there. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm I'm not and people. Violent people too. <laughs> no, weird. No, people. they're friendly people, uh, and they actually took care of their COVID curve probably better than any any place in the world. I got an email this morning about Iceland. Iceland. Let me just grab this here for you. Okay, so Iceland has opened up its borders to the fact that. Um, where do I have it here? I had it here. Okay, so Iceland Iceland extends border exemptions for vaccinated U.S. citizens and more. So basically, if you have had COVID or if you've been vaccinated, countries are now announcing, well, Iceland, for example, right. this morning is announcing that you can come there with no quarantine or testing requirements. Wow. So I, I it, it's going to be 
curious to see. I have no plans to travel in 2021, Mike. Even if I could, I think I'm going to pass. Might have an opportunity to go to Sedona in Arizona in the fall. We'll see. Um, but I'm 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 still kind of like in a wait and see mode. Sure. I think. Yeah. Um, just before we wrap this up, I got to read this email that just came in to you and I, Steve. This nice. is in response to your playbook. This kind of goes full circle to how we started the show today. It's from Cliff. It's from Cliff. And yes. my goodness, this is a great. Uh, he's talking about your assessment today where you gave out some grades in your playbook. <laughs> he said, I want to add my voice to the Pierre-Luc Dubois evacuation. It's time for him to step up his effort and the results. I've got a five pound prime rib roast in the sous vide that would go better with Connor and Ehlers <laughs> than what Pierre-Luc Dubois has brought so far. I'm just thinking of that delicious roast beef now. Uh, I'm also trying to picture a side of roast beef as playing center between those two talented wingers. Well, it's odd, you know, like uh, Connors and Ehlers are both scoring a lot of goals, but Dubois, uh, like, I, know. I mean, he's looked good in his own zone. I will say that. Um, he, he, he ends his email, and I will agree with him on this point. He said, how about a grade of F? For the phony crowd noise right. that's part of the TV experience, uh, the white noise is a distraction, adds nothing worthwhile. Steve, you you came to a game a few weeks ago, uh, and you heard how loud. It's annoying in it's there. It's totally yeah, sure, annoying. Yeah. I get a lot of questions. People are like, are they just pumping that in on TV? I mean, I, they might enhance it on TV, but it's actually being pumped no, into the rink. In person, Mike, it's yeah. way more And there's somebody... Yeah pushing a button and the reaction sometimes like the ooze and the ahs on things that do not warrant ooze and ahs apparently the players like it though for those that ask well, the players uh, have said they want that oddly when the Jets played in Montreal last week um, there was no noise or whatever and it seemed uh, odd yeah so, it's just be some, become part of some it some sort so, of middle ground we'll, uh, we'll see if the fake crowd has reason to ooh and ah tonight as the Jets uh, wrap up this this quick two-game homestand. Then they're on the road for seven in a row, Steve. Uh, crazy schedule. The Jets will play tonight. The game starts at eight. They're then going to fly to Edmonton after the game because they have to play in Edmonton tomorrow night. Ridiculous scheduling there. Uh, and, and the next seven will be on the road. That's that's one-eighth of their entire season is going to be on this upcoming road trip. Interesting to see how they do. All right, folks, we'll see you or we'll chat with you again next week, next Wednesday. Once again, have a safe and happy St. Patrick's Day.